This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. Hello, I'm Karen Pay. I'm your host for today's podcast. We're so happy you join us. You know, as believers approach Resurrection Sunday, we know that the truths surrounding the celebrated day have nothing to do with bunnies and decorated eggs. In fact, the celebration of Christ's resurrection is our hope for eternity with Him. But before celebration comes the reality and the pain of the cross. Today, we want to go there to see who else was there and why were they there. Perhaps we can learn from Christ's response to them the reasons that we all need to go to the foot of the cross. Well, here to help us discern these truths is Mark Ray. Mark has a substantial history with Grace School of Theology, including being an original board member uh, and primary advisor from his earliest days. Mark holds a Master of Biblical Studies from Dallas Theological Seminary and a Master of Divinity from Grace School of Theology. He has served churches as an associate pastor and as a lead pastor and has served as COO of a major evangelistic ministry. We're most excited to announce that Mark Ray is the new Vice President of Community Development here at Grace. He will also serve as the executive director for the Center for Grace, a new institute to be launched soon, which you'll hear more about in a future program. Well, Mark has a passion for training and discipleship, and we are so blessed to have him serve alongside our team here at Grace. Mark, welcome to Saving Grace. Thank you, Carmen. I am so thrilled to be here, and it's a privilege to be here. Oh, we're excited to have you. Well, Mark, let's talk about uh, this important topic of the cross. Foolishness to those who are perishing, right? Absolutely. Uh, But to those who believe it's the power of of God. Well, it is fascinating that hundreds of years before the rejection uh, at the cross was prophesied, uh, let's talk about those who were at the cross that day and how really unknowingly they helped fulfill those prophecies. Absolutely. There were, um, first, let me start by just saying that, sure. that at the cross, mm-hmm. there are a number of people that come to the cross mm-hmm. for a number of different reasons. And what we, what we typically do is we focus on Christ and what Christ did at the cross, but there's yes. a tremendous ministry that Christ has from the cross to those who came to the cross. Mm, And as you look at those that have come to the cross, you begin to ask the question, why are they here? Mm -hmm. If we really are honest with ourselves, we should ask the question, why am I here? Or am I here? Am I at the foot of the cross? And should I be coming to the foot of the cross? So the first group of people that we look at are really those that rejected Jesus. And by their rejection, they fulfilled whether they knew it or not. And in most cases, they did not know it. They fulfilled prophecy dating back to Isaiah, the suffering servant, Mm -hmm. extolling what Christ would actually do on the cross. Psalm 22, that really difficult psalm from Mm -hmm. David that really foretells what happened in a crucifixion thousands of years before crucifixion was ever even invented. Mm -hmm. 
And so here are these ones who have come to reject him. And out of Psalm 22, almost to the phrase we get in the gospel writers, almost to the phrase recounting Psalm 22, almost to the phrase recounting Isaiah 53 and the suffering servant. So here they come to reject him, something that those prophets spoke about thousands of years before, that they are unwittingly, which is the case with God in many cases, his yes. birth and now his death. Mm. God sees them fulfill unwittingly, mm -hmm. which shows who's in control of it in the first place. Amen. God's in the middle of it. Wow. It's incredible when you consider all the prophecies that were fulfilled down to the exact detail, weren't they? Well, and, and when you think about the life of Christ, scholars have said that there are over 300 prophecies that Christ fulfilled. Mm. The percentage of prophecies, if somebody fulfilled two or three or five, the percentages are off the charts of anybody who could do that. Mm -hmm. Christ fulfilled three hundred of them. Every single one. It, it's, it's just, it's, it's an amazing work of God. Uh, supplanting his son that yes. he foretold about so long ago. Amen. And such a faith builder yes. for us as yes, believers. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Well, you know, there are some ironies that you have pointed <laughs> out regarding those who did mock Christ hanging yes. on the cross. Just share a couple of those with us. Well, this is one of my favorite things to do with Scripture. Mm. It's to point to those things that are, that makes no sense at all. Mm. For instance, let me give you a couple of them. Jesus Christ, the perfect sinless Son of God, mm. hangs between two thieves. Yes. And because of your sin and my sin, he actually is guilty of, of sin as those two thieves are guilty of sin. So he's counted as a, as a guilty one. He's counted as a sinner. Because he took on our sin. Took on our sin. Actually, mm -hmm. as Paul says, he became our sin. Mm -hmm. So the irony is, here's the perfect sinless son of God who is on the cross for our, your sin and my sin between two thieves that he now is actually in their company as a thief. Mm. Those who mocked him, this is one of my favorites, told him to come down and save them and save himself. What they don't realize is if he did, mm. he couldn't have. Oh. If he had come down from the cross, yes. as they had wanted him to do to potentially prove that he had this, he could never have saved them because it's by the cross that they're saved. Exactly. That's a, that is a good one. Here's yes. one of my favorites. He dies in the place of uh, a man by the name of Barabbas. Yes. Bar Abba, which means son of the father. Mm. So here is one who, who takes the place of a sinner as he took the place of us, yes. who actually by him taking the place, Barabbas becomes the son of the father, a children of God, because Christ took his place. There is scholarship that says wow. Christ, that Barabbas became a believer mm. because of the substitutionary work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's kind of a fun Incredible. one to, that to go is, down. That is. Let me give you a couple of more. Yes. Um, the title over his over the cross was mm -hmm. listed in Greek, Hebrew, and Latin, very symbolic of the fact that he saved, came to save the entire world yes. by virtue of the, the known languages that were there. The religious authorities acknowledged his saving of others. You saved others, but you can't save yourself. They actually acknowledged his ability to save others and not recognizing that his death, which was foretold in the Old Testament scriptures, which they, they should have known. known. <laughs> And not realizing uh, that by his death, he was literally fulfilling mm. the prophetic statement of God to save others. Mm. They told him to descend and they would believe. Mm. Come down from that cross and we'll believe. <laughs> Three days later, what did he do? He had come down from the cross. That's he resurrected. Wrong. But did they believe? No. As a matter of fact, it, it ratcheted up their rejection Hardened of him. Hardened their hearts even more. Hardened their hearts. Yes, they taunted yes. to him 
that he claimed to, he would rebuild the temple in three days. Mm. And yet never understanding that he was talking about the temple of his own. And when he yeah. actually did rebuild that, they still didn't believe. Yes. Finally, they had mocked him. They'd mm. humiliated him. They taunted him. They shamed him. And then the one thing that, that really gets me about this is Christ never owned anything except one. He owned a coat. Mm. They stripped him of his coat and they gambled for that because it was the only possession he had. And by the way, yeah. it was a possession that was given to him. Yes. It was a complete rejection of the one who was the only one who could save them. Wow. That, wow. That's the irony of what I see on oh. the cross. Oh, that's fascinating. I appreciate you you sharing that sure. because that really gives us some, some thoughts to ponder. And you know, here's the convicting part. Uh, it, it's easy in hindsight to look back and to criticize those who mocked Christ and those who rejected our Lord. And But if we're honest with ourselves, Mark, don't we do that even today? Let me make it even more convicting. Mm. I would say that most believers welcome to the to the human race, yeah. that we do this daily. Oh, wow. We reject him because he commanded us to love one another. Mm. Are there times that we haven't? Right. Of our family, of our friends, of our neighbors, of our coworkers. Yes. He commanded us to make disciples. Mm. Uh. <laughs> okay, well, let me write down the number of people I'm discipling. He, com he commanded me how to deal with conflict. He, he commanded us on so many different occasions mm. of things that we simply do not do. Yeah. That is rejection of what he did on the cross. Wow. What does that mean? Well, the beautiful thing about his, his work on the cross is also that it provides forgiveness for believers. Mm -hmm. So we have that forgiveness. And so, so those, those rejections we can actually bring to the cross as well. Yes, yes. And I think that, that was I was just going to ask. So if we're convicted in this area, what do we do? But you've answered it. We come to the cross. Come to the cross. Come to the cross. Confess, agree with him. You know, oh, Father, forgive us. Sure. And he does. You bet. You bet. Time and time again. Oh, what a gracious God we serve. Well, you know, there, there are some individuals at the individuals at the cross who are worth really discussing one-on-one -on -one as their needs for coming to the cross were really varied. And being a woman, perhaps, uh, I, I think we should start with the mother of Jesus, Mary. Yeah, there's not a mom listening today, Mark, who, who couldn't sympathize with Mary's really agony over watching her son suffer and die on the cross, a horrific death, and yet she knew she needed to be there. Talk about how Christ ministered to this faithful mom. Well, you just named it. She is a faithful mom. Ah, yes. Um, and if you look back at the birth story, this was foretold. Foretold from the angel to her, foretold from Simeon to her. Mm -hmm. This was foretold. She knew maybe tucked in the back of her mind, but she knew something was coming. Was it going to be this horrific? Mm. Probably never in her wildest think. dreams imagined that. Mm. But let me just talk to you a moment about the culture of the day. Mm -hmm. Joseph, as we know, is nowhere to be found. We really don't know yeah. after the age of 12 what happens to Joseph. There's a lot of scholarship and speculation. Mm -hmm. But the job of caring for the mother fell to the oldest son. And who was that? Yeah. Jesus. The one hanging on the cross. So you see a number of things that Jesus does. The first thing he does for his mother is he makes this statement, woman, behold your son. Mm -hmm. Now there's a, there's a double-edged sword in that because it is behold your son, mm -hmm. the one who is here, mm -hmm. 
I am your son, but I am fulfilling the role of son of the father. I'm doing the will of the father. And by this, I'm saving you as well as my family, as well as everybody here, even those rejecting me, I'm doing this. But when he makes that statement, behold your son, he also has in mind the one who's standing right next to Mary. Mm -hmm. Because for Mary, the one who is supposed to be caring for her, the eldest son, is now going to be gone. Mm. So what does he do? He ministers to her and he says, let me give you your reward for your faithfulness to me. And I'm telling you, behold your new son, the apostle John, the one who's standing right next to you. Yes. Because in the same instance, which we'll talk about in a minute, I'm sure, he says, behold your mother. Yes. He, he, He gives her what she needs specifically from the cross out of his love for her. And that, you know, what do you say about the agony that a mother's going through? How many children get the opportunity to be able to care for their mother in that way? We see the tenderness of Jesus from the cross. Absolutely. For for her pain and her suffering. Wow. And it's something that I don't want to get us off on a rabbit trail, but I I, I just can't help but bring this up because it's always fascinated me. She had other sons. Yes. Uh, and and yet we know from Scripture that they really did not believe until after Christ was resurrected. That's right. So I, I think there's also a part of Mary that's going, you know, yes, I've got these sons, but they don't even believe. They don't right. even know what I know about my son on the cross. So, uh, again, a, a measure of God's grace in saying, no, no, John. And not only John, but look at the other women. She had a community that surrounded her. Because I think you're right. She's looking at her son on the cross. And I think there's still a level of her that was a level of all those disciples, too, that were saying, this is the son of God. The son of God can't die. There's no way the son of God is going to die. Not understanding, even though Jesus said it time and time Time and time time again, again, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again the third Mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. Never. They left it at, I'm going to die. Son of God, you can't do that. His ministry to her is, I'm going to continue. This is, this is, I'm going to be with you always. I'm going to continue to care for you no matter what. And here I'm making that provision for you. Yes. Beautiful. Wow. Well, uh, what comfort can parents who are still Hmm. grieving the loss of a child gain from her experience at the cross? That's a great question. And I I, I would, I, 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 let me put it in in this way. Mm. Let's remember that there was one other parent that suffered loss at the cross. And that's the father. Mm. Because he suffered the loss of his son. Yes, he did. Sin being taken upon him, being separated for the first time ever. The Trinity is separated. He's separated from his son. God knows that pain. He Mm. knows that grief. He knows Mm. that suffering. And his promise to us is still, I will be with you always. No matter what. I think the identification of bringing that pain, that suffering to the cross where Jesus died for that, understood it, and the Father says, bring that to me. Yes. Let that burden come to me. I think the cross and Easter, the, this, this scenario is a marvelous place yes. to bring that pain, to bring that suffering with an understanding that the Father knows that Uh, and understands it because he experienced it too. That's a beautiful reminder that he truly can empathize with us. No doubt. No matter what we're going through. Oh, I love that, Mark. Thank you. Wow. Well, let's talk about John. You referenced him. He described himself as the disciple whom Jesus (laughs) loved. I've always loved those references in Scripture. Uh, but you, you, you mentioned Christ specifically said, woman, behold your son, referencing John. And then, and then 
then to John, he, he says, behold your mother. Mm-hmm. So why did John need to hear this? I mean, what was he seeking at the cross? Well, let's take a look at John's responsibility within the disciples very quickly. John was one of the three, James, Peter, yes. and John. Yes. He's one of the Inner three circle. that goes to Jairus' daughter, sees her raised from the dead. He's one of the three that goes on the Mount of Transfiguration and sees Christ in all of his glory. He's mm-hmm. one of those that gets to go into the inner place in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. He had, But even beyond Peter and James, John is that special one. Yeah. He is the one who puts his head on on Christ's shoulder at the Last Supper. He is... He had a special relationship, and now not only is Jesus, the Son of God, King of kings and Lord of lords, dying and going away, but John's best friend mm-hmm. is leaving, and John served him faithfully mm-hmm. over and over again. What's John left with? Mm-hmm. There's this emptiness. There's yes. this, I have this special relationship with him, and I can't do anything. I can't serve him anymore. I can't do anything. So what does Jesus do? I'm going to give you what you need most. Here's someone to take care of. Here's someone to serve. Wow. Here's a direction. Here's a future for you where you may think it's gone. I'm going to give you service. That's what I think Jesus is doing for John at the cross. And I think for us, those of us that are saying, God, use me. I think he says at the cross, the direction from my son is here's a place to serve. Serve me no matter what it is. Yes. Uh, Serve me. Particularly when we are suffering a loss of some kind, whether it be health or finances or relationship, if we get our focus off of our own circumstances and no focus doubt. on what he would have us do, there's healing in that. Well, I, I love this. If you go to James, James says faith without works is dead faith. Mm-hmm. He says yeah. it's, he doesn't say it's no faith. Right. He says right. it's dead. So by converse, how do you stir up a dead faith? Yes. I love if faith it. without works is dead faith, what does faith alive have in it? Mm-hmm. Works, works, service, yes. serving others, which you're exactly right, Carmen. It takes the it takes that focus off of me, mm-hmm. puts it on somebody else, which get, makes me selfless, humble, yes. servant. It's the it's the example of Christ. What was Christ doing from the cross? Yeah, <laughs> focus was wasn't him. It was he serving Mary and John? Right. Yes, all the rest. Wow, yeah. beautiful example for us, no doubt about it. Wow. Well, you know, another woman who was at the cross that day was Salome, the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Remind our listeners uh, of the first encounter in Scripture of this woman. Well, it's a very painful encounter because she actually comes as a, as a mother would, a yeah. prideful mother and her two sons who yes. have now followed this rabbi mm-hmm. for three years. Yeah. And she comes to them and she makes a request. She says, would you remember my two sons and give them the place of honor on your left hand and your right hand when you come into your kingdom? Now, there's a wonderful thing about that. And she recognizes Christ will be the one coming into his kingdom. Yes. But there is a prideful statement that she makes about, let my two sons have the place of prominence over all the rest of these disciples who have also followed you for for three years. (laughs) So there is this level that she comes to the cross And for the first time begins to see when Christ says, do they know the cup that I will Mm -hmm. ask them to drink of? Cup in the the New Testament scriptures really means their lot in life. Jesus' cup was to go to the cross. Mm. Their cup as disciples, he told them over and over again, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be pain to follow me. And so she asked them, do they understand the cup? And pridefully, she says, well, of course they do. Mm -hmm. 
she gets a look at it for the first time of what the cup could potentially mean for mm. her sons. Standing next to Mary, watching her son die, Wow. she's standing there. And I think there's an element that she comes to the cross for the stark realization of her pride. My. And I think what Jesus does with her at the cross is says, by the way, this is what they're going to suffer. And I'm going to tell you, they're going to suffer this, but they're going to suffer this for my name's sake. And there's going to be a marvelous reward in time. But for you, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. Because for you, your pride in wanting that for them needs, you need this forgiveness that my, my work on the cross is going to provide. Mm -hmm. So I think there's this stark realism that she comes with this, this understanding of, oh, wow, this is what I've requested. Yes. I've asked them yes. for this. <laughs> can I change can I, my mind? Can, right? I take, can I take it back? Yes, <laughs> wow. absolutely. Wow, very yeah. humbling. Uh, uh, wow. Well, and let's be honest. Many of us need to come to the cross. <laughs> yes. To be humble. For that same reason. Because of our pride. Mm. Yes. We think we think we know all the answers and we can help God out in those situations, <laughs> right? Yeah. God, you're not <laughs> yeah. doing it right. <laughs> right. Let me show you a better yeah. way. Right. Right. My. right. right. Mm. Well, also at the cross was Mary Magdalene. I'm reminded of her as I consider how important it is not to waste God's mercy. Here this woman had seven demons cast from her uh, by Christ's uh, healing touch. Uh and as a result, she was a devout follower of Christ to the end, never wavering. So why do you think she came to the cross that day? Oh, I think hers is an easy one. Mm. She's the one that by Jesus was redeemed. Her life was redeemed. She was this outcast. She was this nobody that found a family, found a home, wow. found a place. And now she comes to the cross. And if you notice in the entire resurrection account, she's always there. Oh, yes. Amazing. She's also the first one to go tell the news. She's the first one to run from the tomb back and tell John, tell Peter, wow. he's alive. He's risen. She, she plays a very specific role in that she recognizes the redemption she has in Christ, which yes. is a wonderful convicting statement to us. Do we recognize the redemption and what that means mm -hmm. to us? And then she goes and shares that. Mm -hmm. She tells everybody that. Yeah. question is... Do we? Do we? Do we? He he has done this for us, this marvelous yes. work of redemption, marvelous work of forgiveness. And what he requests from us is tell somebody else. Right. Do we? Do we follow Mary's example, Mary Magdalene's example of going and telling somebody else the yes. marvelous news that he is risen, he is risen indeed. Mm -hmm. She's there to witness it, to stand beside Mary, to be a part of this community, but to recognize his redemption. And then to be there at the resurrection and go share that good yes. news. This is, I think she's the evangelist. Boy, she she's is. there for that. She, under, she really grasped the responsibility she had. Because when, when the Lord blesses us with redemption, it's not just for us. It's, I mean, it's not for us to just go, well, aren't I fortunate? But it is, it is a responsibility to make sure that we take as many as you we bet. can with us, right? Well, and I think not only a responsibility, but this is her story. Oh, yes. And so what she gets a chance to do mm. is just simply tell her story, which is what evangelism is all about. Just go tell your story. Yes. And she does. Whether they listen to her, whether they hear her or not, she goes and tells her story. And she's what, a, she's yeah. a beautiful example She of is. She mm -hmm. is. And what's beautiful about that too, Mark, is that uh, she's compelled. In other words, she's got to tell that story, right? right. And, yes. and that's the way it should be with us. That it's like, you know what? You may be offended. 
but I just I have to tell you. <laughs> well, and, and the beautiful thing about telling your story, and I yeah. love this when you share this from an evangelistic viewpoint. Uh-huh. Nobody can nobody can doubt your story. Yeah. Oh no, you didn't have that experience. Well, <laughs> how can you doubt my experience? How could you doubt an eyewitness experience mm-hmm. to not only his death and his burial, yes. but his resurrection? How wow. can you doubt that experience? You can't. Wow. That, that's, yeah, very, very great example. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that out. <laughs> that's really beautiful. <laughs> well, oh, finally, let's talk about the centurion. You know, Mark 15, 37 through 39 says, And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him, saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this was the Son of God. Now, Mark, what had the centurion witnessed in addition to this that brought him to this conclusion? That's a great question. Um, Most scholars agree that he was probably the head of the crucifixion guard crew. My. <laughs> so with mm. that, he was yes. responsible not only for the prisoner, but the full the full team of guards that carried out the crucifixion, which most likely means he was there when and heard Pilate, that accusation. He was yes. there and heard the crowds say, he, he heard Pilate say, that I find no guilt in this man. Right, right. He was probably there for some of the, uh, some of the trial. Mm. He was no doubt there seeing Christ suffer the beatings, the whippings, the crown of thorns on his head. He no doubt probably led the procession of Christ carrying his own cross. Then we get to the cross. He's he's listening to Jesus talk to Mary, talk to John, talk to everybody who came to the foot of the cross and hears them. He he also no doubt heard, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. The seven words of Jesus Mm -hmm. from the cross. But I think here's what really hits him. Notice that the scriptures say he cried out with a loud voice. What a centurion was most likely accustomed to with somebody hanging on the cross was breathing their last, which was a sign of I'm done. Mm. And usually it was a very, it was almost just a breath with no sound at all. No ability (laughs) to do that. Depending on how long you've been hanging there. Yes, yes. But here's Jesus having suffered everything he's done, and he does something completely different that the centurion never experienced before. He cries out a victorious cry. It is finished with a loud voice. Mm. And the way he describes it, the way he cries out, it is as if Jesus has now chosen, and the scriptures reveal this, that Jesus then gave up his spirit. This was a voluntary act on the part of Jesus Christ. Yeah. At the end of a triumphant cry, it is finished. He then relinquishes his spirit. That, I think, is what the centurion goes, oh, wow. This is not like anything else I've ever experienced. Mm. We see the veil torn in two. We see, and no doubt he saw the clouds gathering, the storms yes. coming and all of that. This was incredibly unusual for a crucifixion. Oh. And he has seen it all. So he comes and sees this. Here's forgiveness. Here's the triumphant cry. Sees mm. the, the relinquishing of the spirit. And that Jesus is in complete control of this circumstance. I think that's why he goes, okay, there's something different here, and this is the Son of God. And there's there's a lot of scholarship, mm-hmm. Carmen, about whether he believed or whether he didn't. There's even some scholarship about did he did he believe and then become uh, one of the church plant bishops. Hmm. We don't know. don't know. 
but but certainly he was impacted to the point of making that statement of what was tacked in over Jesus' head. Yes. This is, this was the Son of God. Mm. This is who he was. Fascinating insight. That's, that is, truly. Well, so as a result, let's think about that. How important then is it for each of us to be reminded of what was accomplished at the cross? What, what happened? And why we can be confident in our belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God who died to take away our sin. Great Great kind of wrapping up question here. And let, let me ask you something. Mm -hmm. um, the, as believers, there's a sacrament that Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Yes, yes. He wants us to remember what happened here. He wants us to recognize, continue to recognize his work on the cross. That's right. So we take communion. Yes. The bread and the cup. Mm -hmm. We take communion to recognize the breaking of his body, the shedding of his blood for us. What does this mean? What, what do these people mean? Well, here's what I think. Ultimately, I think we have to ask ourselves the question, why did they come to the cross? Do I identify with any of them? Mm -hmm. Why should I come to the cross? Why do I need to come to the cross? If for no other reason than to simply remember what Christ did for us, that we need that remembrance so that we recognize his presence in our life, his indwelling yes. in us by the work of that, our forgiveness, our his supreme example of love for us. Mm -hmm. Those are huge reasons why we come to the cross and we celebrate it each year, but it's well beyond what should, we should be doing celebrating each year. Coming to the cross is where we need to come all the time. Yes, maybe daily. Maybe daily. <laughs> I would say in all, in all instances, daily. <laughs> yes, That's right. yes, yes. Wow, well, this has just been wonderful uh, to, to really go back to the importance of the cross mark, uh, because it's something that each one of us has to look inside to, to say, okay, God, what are you saying to me? Mm -hmm. What are you wanting me to learn from this? And how are you wanting me to go from here uh, to, to be a witness for what we have, have learned? Well, thank you so much for being with My us today. My pleasure. Yeah. My pleasure. Well, and thanks to you, our listeners. You know, it's always our prayer that our topics will stir your interest to get into God's Word and to grow in your knowledge and love for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Also, if you haven't done so, we encourage you to check out the many courses that are offered through Grace School of Theology to expand your biblical knowledge and deepen your faith. You know, you may have family and friends who really need to hear about God's amazing grace. Sharing this podcast is a perfect way to start that conversation. The podcast is for you. If you have ideas for topics, uh, questions that you would like to have answered, send those to us by email at savinggrace at gsot.edu or tweet us at savinggracecast. We're so glad you've tuned in. And remember, Christ's love can never be earned and it can never be lost. You have been listening to Saving Grace a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu slash savinggrace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.